and welcome to Monsters in Murder. I'm Shane. And I'm Sam. And today we're going to talk about the monster side of things. We're actually going to talk about one area specific. Specifically, I guess I should say. What do you know about the Ozarks? If anything. Not a lot. I'm not <laughs> good with geography. Um, and I feel like for some reason I thought of um, the Clampets. Mm-hmm. I always think of the very first thing when I think of the Ozarks is a Scooby-Doo episode, which should be no surprise to anyone that knows me. It is not. Because they visit the Ozarks, but they battle the Ozark witch, who is terrifying the uh, McCoys, I believe. No, the Hatfields. It's the ghost uh. of, she's supposed to be the ghost of a McCoy, and she's terrorizing the Hatfields. Um, and I can't remember where that battle took place, if it was in the Ozarks or not, or somewhere near the area. I have no idea. Me either. We're not going to get into that history today, but we are going to talk about a lot of the strange stuff that happens in the Ozarks, because apparently there is some stuff in the Ozarks. <laughs> that is where the shit is going down. Yes, apparently so. So the Ozarks cover a significant portion of northern Arkansas and most of the southern half of Missouri, extending from I-40 in central Arkansas to Interstate 70 in central Missouri. I didn't know it went to Missouri. Like, I knew it was in Arkansas, mm -hmm. but I didn't know it went into Missouri. Yes, yes, it does. And a lot of stuff going on, well, it happens in both of them. There Good are two. <laughs> yes. There are two mountain ranges in the Ozarks, the Boston Mountains of Arkansas and the St. Francois Mountains of Missouri. Buffalo Lookout, the highest point in the Ozarks, is located in the Boston Mountains. And the Ozarks cover nearly 47,000 square miles, making it the most extensive highland region between the Appalachians and the Rockies. Note he said Appalachians, not Appalachians. <laughs> so if you're not from around here, and we are, it's mm -hmm. Appalachian, not Appalachian. So please get it right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a thing here when people say it. And sometimes I do hear people say it in other podcasts, and they're like, the Appalachian Mountains. And yeah. I, it's almost like a little tick, my aisle. Twitch a little bit. <laughs> yes. Like one of my favorite podcasts, they, they're like, is it Appalachian or Appalachian? And I'm, they can't hear me, but I'm screaming, <laughs> it's Appalachian, it's Appalachian. <laughs> well, and I am fond of the Ozark area because of all the stuff that happens in it, but I'm like, mm, they can't top the Appalachians because that's where we live. That is where we live. So, together with the Washita Mountains, the area is known as excuse me, the area is known as the U.S. Interior Highlands. Much of the Ozark population is English, Scots-Irish, and German descent, and the Ozark families from which the regional culture derived tend to have lived in the area since the 19th century. Do you know what your um, lineage is? Not exactly. I know we have some Scottish from my father's side in me, but from my mother's side, I really don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I want to do 23 and Me and just mm -hmm. see. Yeah, I'm really curious. Like, part of me has always been wanting to do one of those DNA things to see what it comes back as. I'm oh. very curious. We should do that. Mm -hmm. It would be, like, a fun thing to do together. It would be. And I'm just going to say, I should, I do know one thing on my mom's side is there is actual, like, legit Native Americans on my mom's side. Cool. Not just the point zero 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 one eight percent that everyone generally has. Yes. Um, Bass and family members in pictures that look like Indians. I I don't know what mine is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know there's a lot of like redneck hillbilly on my dad's side, <laughs> but I don't think that's actually the name for it. 
Yes. Well, and I should clarify my comics. There is no stereotypical look of Indians, but I guess, I mean, there kind of is. When you think of Native American, there is a certain look you think of. And I'm not talking about, like, when sailors first came to this land. Yeah. But, you know, just someone who was Native American descent. And I have people on my mom's side that look like that. So, I'd be really interesting to find out what, how much of what I have in me and where I am comprised of. But getting back to the Ozarks, some people have the opinion, some people, not us, so don't add us on this, but some people have the opinion that the Ozark Mountains are actually hills, but they are known for their never-ending and dense forests. There's very little development in this area and it is sparsely populated. There are several legends through the, through the Ozark Mountains, many that the Ozark residents and people around the world believe. And the first one we're going to discuss, because we will be discussing a couple, is the Ozark Howler. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I actually learned some things because I thought the Ozark Howler was a bipedal creature. Um, but apparently, I've never heard of it before. <laughs> apparently, it's kind of more akin to a dog-like creature, maybe? That's what I would think. But anyway, the Ozark Howler is a legendary creature that's purported to live in the Ozark Mountains of the American South, often in the remote areas of Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Texas. It is typically described as being bear-sized with a thick body, stocky legs, black shaggy hair, glowing red eyes, and prominent horns. It sounds like me, except for my hair's blonde. As you were saying, on some <laughs> days I'm sure I could be described as that as well. Yeah. <laughs> the Appalachian Howler. <laughs> Another description cites it as having shaggy fur, a beard like a goat's, horns like an antelope's, and a long tail like a lion's, Along with the glowing red eyes. That could also describe me too. <laughs> its cry is often described as being a combination of a wolf's howl, an elk's bulge, and the laugh of a hyena. That sounds really creepy. Hyena yes. laughs are very terrifying yeah. to me. I think it stems back from the Lion King. I was getting ready honest. to say, hyenas, like, until I saw one, I assumed they looked like they did in The Lion King. Yeah, and they look creepy, too. They do, yeah. No, I mean, they kind of do. Like, The Lion King, you know, they're not exactly depicted as they are in real life, but nothing is. However, when you see them, it is kind of like, ooh. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to cover at some point um, uh, Azaria Chamberlain. What is that? <laughs> or who is that, I should say? The dingo at my baby. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Sorry, I thought you were going to say a case with, like, involving hyenas. And I was but like, oh, it, are there some? Oh, sorry. I totally got confused, but... Well, I guess the Tinto is the, like in a... the realm, it's like, you know... It is a similar Australian animal. hyena mm -hmm. type, but not really. Because isn't a hyena more of, like, a cat? I, I sound really stupid. I promise no. I am college-educated. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Well, we don't live in an area where hyenas are, so no. everything we've seen has been depicted in TV, not just The Lion King, however that's how I will always picture them. Me too, um, yeah. But usually wildlife documentaries. Yeah. So it's not like, thankfully, we don't have them in the wild here, at least I don't think we do. No. I would hope not. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't. But if you want to ask me about different snakes, I could probably point out which ones are poisonous. Yes, yeah, I know a little bit about that too. See, we have some knowledge, people. <laughs> So the Ozark Howler is also known by a few other names. The Ozark Black Howler. The Hoo-Hoo. Oh. <laughs> yes. That could be something else entirely. The Nightshade Bear. And the Devil Cat. It has never reported 
is never reported being seen in packs of Ozark Howlers, and there's never even reports of a pair of them. It's the lone howler. <laughs> yes. There's also never been a sighting of a juvenile howler. It's always the same one creature, often the same size. And always alone. So is it the same one? There's debate about that. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. If so, where did they come from? Where did they come from? Where did they go? What is their name? <laughs> yes. Did they prefer Coke or Pepsi? <laughs> <laughs> so the Ozark Howler has often been described as an omen of death. It's been said by many inhabitants of the Ozarks that anyone who hears the sound of the Ozark Howler will soon die. The earliest legend of the Ozark Howler is of a meeting between Daniel Boone, our town's namesake. Good old Daniel Boone. And the creature in Missouri in the early 1800s. He must have done that before he created his restaurant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I'm not trying to shade anyone, but that is not my favorite place. I've never been, but it was packed as shit on Thanksgiving. Oh, it always I is. By. I was like, why the hell would this be your first place? Any given day, that place is packed. Yeah. And there's lines literally out the door. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So, this Daniel Boone encounter takes place in 1810, miles north of what we now call the small town of Cuba, Missouri. And it always kind of really confuses me, like, when we have cities named Cuba, but there's actually a country named Cuba. There's a lot of weird town names. I know! Or, like, Paris, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Boone writes to his sister-in-law, who was living in Kentucky at the time of his encounter, and he writes... I leave you with an alarming story of a wounded creature. I found and wounded on the side of Souter Creek, black and swathy with horns atop his scalp. Ignorant of its name, I am told of the sounds that it makes, a terrible howling in the middle of the night. Warnings of this for settlers should be passed along. Your humble servant, Daniel Boone. Now, why are we thinking this could be a panther that has just like ran into something and is hurt? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. Um, and also, one thing I did have to look up, I didn't know what swarthy means, and essentially it's just a fancy way of saying it's dark-skinned or haired. Daniel Boone pulling out his big words, I see. <laughs> <laughs> well, he also kind of wrote in phonetics, so like the actual letter, like instead of humble, it's written as humble. Mm. He was hooked on phonics. Yes, I mean, he was very famous for the way he wrote. <laughs> Um, in this version of the legend of his encounter with the Ozark Howler, Boone claims to have wounded the beast, but he did not kill it. This is remarkable, given that he was supposed to be a skilled hunter, learned, you know, that he learned how to hunt in his youth with the Lenape tribe in Pennsylvania. Yeah. For the Ozark Howler to have escaped his shot wounded, uh, or wounded shot, but alive is a testament to the beast's astonishing stamina, stamina allegedly. In another version of the story, Daniel Boone meets the creature along Platte River in 1816, which is in Nebraska, which is outside the Ozark Mountains, on a hunting trip. During this meeting, it is said that Daniel Boone kills the Howler. However, like many things, there is no proof, or not even a letter this time to accompany this encounter. He probably was just, like, bragging about something. He probably just, <laughs> like, just, you know, I mean, I guess I have a bad taste of hunting anyway yes this so, is true probably just like, no. uh, well and in another version excuse me in depending on which version you hear and who was telling it there are some versions that only stick to the 18 10 the 1810 story because there's an actual letter that he wrote to his yeah. sister-in-law about this creature um, and then of course there are other versions where that combine the two meetings and say that he encountered the inhaler in 1810 and then he encountered and killed it again in 1816 
following him. So <laughs> we meet again, Mr. Boone. <laughs> exactly. So scattered sightings and claims of killings of the creature are always accompanied by no proof. However, these stories continue to happen. With, like the Daniel Boone story, most of them go along the lines of, I saw it, I killed it, but we have no proof to show. If you killed it, where's the body? Exactly. And you would know, like, if there was a monster that is terrorizing this area, and you were the hunter that killed it, like I said, I don't really condone hunting either. No. But hunters would be proud of what they kill. Yeah. And if they had Facebook and it happened today, there would be a, pr- a picture. It'd be someone's profile picture. Yeah. Go Instagram live. Mm-hmm. So, in 1907, the Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Russellville, Arkansas, which is now known as the Central Presbyterian Church, had a stained window, glass window, with an image of the Ozark Haller. You know, along the sides of maybe, like, Jesus and Mary, and then the Ozark Haller. Well, that's... <laughs> I don't know how that fits in, but okay. It, it is a little odd, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. When... A new minister joined the congregation. He insisted on its removal, refusing to serve under the image of the Ozark Howler. He claimed that the image was a demonic ideology, and he was so against it that he picked up a candlestick and hurled it through the window, shattering it. Okay, well, that's uh, destruction of property, sir. (laughs) Yes. So you probably shouldn't do that. Although, I don't remember reading that chapter, but (laughs) it's been a long time since I picked up a Bible, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would never, like, throw anything in church. Um, I used to get in trouble in church. I mean, again, it's been a long time since I've been in a <laughs> church in general. But I uh, was never allowed to chew gum in church because my mom said the whole congregation could hear me chomping. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also came across a conspiracy that involves Teddy Roosevelt back in his days with the Rough Riders. Um, he heard about the Ozark Howler from his fellow, fellow soldier, John C. Greenway, who grew up in the Ozarks. And Teddy Roosevelt was so fascinated by the beast that he wanted to change the national animal from the American bald eagle to the Ozark Howler. Oh my God, Teddy. (laughs) He would go on to seek out others who shared his interests, and that led him to the International Order of the Hoo-Hoo, a society dedicated to the conservation and dealings with the danger possessed or posed by the Ozark Howler. Now, when you got your bill for that... (laughs) (laughs) Like, honey, who's got a subscription to the International Order of the Hoo-Hoo? <laughs> what exactly is this? Well, Roosevelt's position with this organization was President of American Forestry. <laughs> That's just too funny. Yes. Oh, wait, it gets better. Um, so, this organization is older than the Elks and the Rotary International Club. The Ozark Howler that serves as the official symbol of the order is shown with a tail curve to make a shape in the number of nine. And apparently number nine is really big in this organization, and I couldn't really understand why, or I didn't. But guess who was member 999? Teddy Roosevelt. Yes. In 1908, he became president and established protected zones where the Ozark Howler could roam undisturbed away from the general general population. I mean, he he does realize that this is not a real creature, right? Well, these would go on to become national parks, but the conspiracies believe that national parks, which he pushed really hard for in his presidency, were a front to keep beasts such as Ozark Howler away from people. Or for the government to do shady shit. Maybe. After he died, President Harding took office and was also a member of the International Order of the Hoo-Hoo. Hoo-Hoo! 
So the conspiracy asks, was this all just to keep the Ozark Hyler enclosed and at bay and away from people? I don't know. I think they were doing shady shit and they named it something funny like hoo hoo. <laughs> I don't understand the hoo hoo part of me either. That nickname. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it has any basis in other languages or anything else. I, I mean, I can it. only think of one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, instead of being like Marco Polo, mm -hmm. hoo hoo. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along, in the 1950s, there was a sighting that described the creature as a black goat-like creature, despite not matching previous claims of what the creature looked like. This sighting is alleged and has no real context that I know of. So it's always included in there in all the research I could find, but there's like nothing to really back it up. Why are you putting that on a goat? They're it's, so cute. <laughs> it's kind of like the biggest piece of gossip that's kind of stuck with the story. It's like it was seen in the 1950s, but no one knows who, when, or where, or why. Yeah. Or, have you heard the latest hot gossip about a goat being a member of the International Order of the Hoo Hoo? <laughs> in 1976, a man claimed to have shot and killed the Ozark Haller in Texas, but there is no proof. See, people just out there just shooting, shooting shit, and mm -hmm. you, you could have shot somebody's pet, sir. Yes. Sometime in the 1980s, a truck driver claims to have spotted the Ozark Haller crossing the road. <laughs> And it should be no surprise that sightings and more often reports of hearing the Ozark Howlers howl still happen. In 2012, the Travel Channel documentary Legends of the Ozark aired sharing stories of residents who have heard, seen, and hunted the beast. Did you watch it? I did. And this is actually where I pulled a lot of my information for all the creatures and supernatural things that we will discuss. I love watching interviews with people that seen it. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think it with my own eyes. <laughs> and, like, so several of the stories I have now are going to come from this documentary. The first one is about Randy Hilliard and Shane Stevens in the Fort Douglas area of Arkansas. They were backpacking on the Ozark Highlands Trail, camping out, and they were preparing to cook their evening meal when they hear the howl. What were they cooking? I have no clue. They didn't say. I bet it was, like, the... The canned beans, like in Dennis the Menace. <laughs> I would guess canned beans or hot dogs. Yeah. Because that's the only two foods people eat while they camp. They had not yet reached the s'more stage. Oh, God. <laughs> so they readied their guns, and they tried to make the fire bigger to scare it away, but then they never saw anything. They probably were just getting themselves creeped out. <laughs> they were telling ghost stories, cooking their beanie weenies. Who knows? In Forsyth, Missouri... Sharon Robinson heard the howl at her home while she was outside. So she, after she heard this, she went out and she purchased several like high quality recording devices. Like not just a little, you know, recording device from back in the day where you had the little tape cassettes. Mm -hmm. Like she had some legit, like the little satellite looking dish thing that you hold and wearing earphones. She spent a lot of money to catch that sound. She did. And so she buys all these devices, and she recorded several of these sounds over the years. And while no official can verify what animal are making them, they also do not verify that it's the howler either. Well, I mean, it's never been proven that it exists, so it's hard to, like, prove, like, that's definitely the howler. It is true, but we I We don't think, know what it looks like. I think but. the thing with her, though, is that they also can't <clears throat> identify it as any known animal for what she's hearing in her yard or yeah, property or, or nearby woods. Or what should woods. be there. Mm-hmm. And when Justin Siffert heard the howl in the woods near his home, he described it as a scream with a high, middle, and low pitch that sounds like it has a deepness to it. And that is an exact quote. Well, that is just all over the board, sir. 
It really kind of is. Um, he could be his own boy band. Well, so he and his father and his brother decided to hunt for the beasts. And they had electronic gear as well. And they went out in the woods. They thought they heard some things, but they did not catch anything. Mm. Now we fast forward to 2015 where we get our... Kind of like the first, but I'm not sure I would actually categorize this as photographic evidence. Do you have pictures? I do. Oh, okay. So we have some alleged pictures that were that capture the Ozark beast in the wild. A man by the name of John Meyer reported he caught the Ozark howler in pictures while camping at the Devil's Den State Park. He then turned in and told his story to a local newspaper, and it goes as follows: He met some he met some family in Devil's Den State Park this weekend, or that weekend, I should say, for some camping. They were near Yellow Rock Trailhead in this this morning, that morning, and they saw the creature chasing a squirrel up a tree, and they'd never seen anything like it. It had short black fur, a broad nose, and horns like a young deer, but it moved like a cat and had a long tail. They didn't know what else it could be, and I don't want you to see the picture yet because it's on this page, but I want to finish the story, um, except the Ozark Howler. It was yelping and scratching at the tree, and he got what he described as a pretty good photo. And when it stopped and turned and looked back at him, he got another photo. He wished he had video and more photos after that. But once it saw him, it disappeared and ran away very fast. Now, his pictures do not fit the stereotypical description of what we have been talking about up to this point. A man by the name of Wes Johnson, who published his article and speculates in the local newspaper, the photo looks more like a German shepherd pup with a badly done Photoshop haircut. Oh, God. I'm excited to see. So when he published this article, Meyer sent him an email with his phone number on it and was like, call me, because he was very offended. <laughs> he was not happy about the Photoshop comment and swore to the Lord above that they were not Photoshopped. And he was adamant that this is what he saw. All he said in his note was, call me, and I'll capture this phone number. <laughs> and the phone number. Yeah, pretty much. It was really short like that. He was not happy. He further elaborates that he saw something strange chase the squirrel up the tree um, he reacted like it was a fox or wood and wanted to just take some pictures and enjoy it. But when asked if he was scared when he saw the creature, Meyer said he was not because it was just minding its own business trying to catch a squirrel. <laughs> he, to this day, will still swear by his story. So then Wes Johnson goes on to uh, print a second article, and he ends it with this account, which can be found in the Springfield Newsletter, with a quote that I'm sure John Meyer is still not happy about. But he another ends... call me letter. <laughs> he ends his article with, who knows? Maybe there is a horned squirrel-eating doll creature roaming the Arkansas wilderness. The truth is out there. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And here are the pictures. Here's the first one. Oh. My. God. <laughs> Do you want to describe what you're seeing for everyone? It looks like a German Shepherd puppy with badly photoshopped horns. <laughs> It really is not the creature that I was imagining up to this no, point. No, that is definitely a dog with photoshopped horns. <laughs> so the general consensus, and I have two more pictures to show you, but the general consensus through my research in hearing other podcasts and other series talk about these pictures are that they are fake. Yes. People yes. will often point out that the images look like the creature is too friendly and friendly enough to let the photographer get that close to him. It really does. You know, like almost mm -hmm. if we... Needed another dog? I would pick this one. <laughs> and the one thing that I always put in the back of my mind um, is to remember, this is supposed to be such an elusive creature or beast. But on this day, maybe it was so much. 
don't come at us. This was just what I found in my research. So well, here are the other two pictures. It's not very big. No. No, that is that's a little puppy playing. <laughs> and this one, like you can clearly see, like that is not. Those horns are not natural. They don't. They really don't look like it, in in my opinion. No, that looks like a puppy, a very playful puppy, with <laughs> badly photoshopped horns. Uh-huh. And you can see the ears in this picture, too. And I yes. can't tell if the horns are supposed to be behind the ears, in front of the ears, or coming from the ears. Yeah, me either. But, yeah, the placement on that one was not good, sir. That one, That's the photo that got you caught. <laughs> right. In some versions, the Ozark Howler, in some versions of the Ozark Howler folklore, it is claimed that the Howler is a shapeshifter with the powers of witchcraft. This aspect of the Ozark Heller legend was a central part of the plot in a recent comic book series called Tales of the Ozark, which is written by Kelly Reno and illustrated by Nico, by Nico Photos. Is that really his name? I don't know. Um, forgive me if I mispronounced it, but it literally is the word photos. And it follows the adventures of a supposedly human teenager who discovers that he has inherited his, father, his father's identity as an Ozark Heller. He begins to experience headaches, memory lapses, during which he transforms into the black beast covered head to fur with or head to tail with dark fur, roaming the night and howling and causing all manners of trouble. They are part of traditional folktales such as the goat and the howler and Jack and the Howler. Folktales I've never heard. Me either. In some tellings of the Ozark Howler legend, the shapeshifting abilities pass down through generations within particular families. Other versions say that to become an Ozark Howler is a curse that periodically comes upon human beings when they engage in particular kinds of immoral behavior. I could not figure out what this immoral behavior was. I have a few ideas. <laughs> Dealing with the International Order of the Hoo Hoo. In 1973, the Ozark Howler was reimagined as a multidimensional time-traveling creature in Timothy Godwin's short story, The Hair of the Black Ozark Howler, of the Black Howler. The Ozark Howler has been written about in children's books, such as Hunt the Ozark Howler. And Why are you telling kids to hunt that <laughs> poor little thing? It looks like a little puppy. Well, and there's another a series called Billy Bob's Howler, <laughs> as, where, as well as the Mason Dixon series of novels by Eric R. Asher. I don't know, what the, I don't know anything about those novels other than the fact they're called the Mason Dixon series. The Ozark Howler has also inspired regional poets, and most notably in K.W. Perry's, excuse me, Perry's book, Ozark Howler and Ozark Howler Verse by Rufus Gray. A host of TV shows have tackled the legend, Expedition X from Discovery Channel, In Search of Monsters, When Monsters Attack from the Travel Channel, though I could find no more information on who or what was attacked by the Ozark Howler. Yeah, I mean, it didn't even catch the squirrel. No. If that was to be believed to be the Ozark Heller and not a German Shepherd puppy with exactly. badly horns. But there is no recorded attack that I could find of the Ozark Heller actually attacking anyone. It sounds like it's just out singing its night song mm -hmm. and then goes away. Exactly. Um, other shows have been there. Mysterious Creatures with Forrest Galente. Expedition Unknown. And, of course, Legends of the Ozark, which... Funny enough, I could not find, nor do I know of any major motion picture that has been about the Ozark Howler. So there's like no movies about him or anything like that, which with about every other cryptid creature, there is. And we have, I'm surprised sci-fi has not jumped on that. Mm-hmm. And maybe they have, but I searched really hard and I also 
watched a lot of Sci-Fi Channel in the days where they had Sci-Fi Saturday movies and they gave us great things like Sharktopus. Yeah. I figured that would be the era that it came in and there was never Ozark Howler. There was Mothman and that was a good movie. I liked it. Like the one with Richard Gere or are you talking about a sci-fi one? It's a sci-fi one. Oh. I'm pretty sure Richard Gere was not in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he is in that Mothman movie, right though? Richard, it's Richard Gere Maybe? and Deborah Messing. Really? Yeah. It, I don't, have not older, seen this movie. It's an older movie. It's a mm -hmm. good movie. But it's like not sci-fi. Yes. Which means it's probably a little better. I mean, yeah. I love my sci-fi movies, but they are very cheesy and very B movies. And that's why I love them. In other pop culture, there is an Ozark Haller puzzle box. The Ozark Haller is featured in the tabletop game Horrified American Monsters, which I own. Cool. Um, and I really like it. And I think if I remember correctly to beat it, you have to... There are some death symbols I think you have to deal with on the little map. And then once you deal with those, you just need to get in the same area with the Ozark Howler and you turn in your tokens to defeat him. And it requires like a red token that's more power than a nine, you know, something like that. So you don't even have to be violent with the Ozark Howler. You just give him some tokens hey, and he lets you pass. You quote unquote defeat him. <laughs> Whatever that means, you can interpret that on your own. And I think I've mentioned Horrified before because I know I talked about the Banshee of the Badlands. Yes, it's also in that did. game. And in fact, she's in that one, so we could play around and go up against the Ozark Howler and the Banshee of the Badlands. Oh. Does she have her little skeleton with her? She does. And there, on her little play mat, there is a spot for the violin that the skeleton plays. And honestly, it's really kind of one of the tougher creatures to beat in that game. That sounds really cool. Because the skeleton can... In the game, you don't die. The creatures just knock you out. And <laughs> you go to the area hospital and you have to start over but <laughs> so I have that game as I mentioned and it is a follow-up to horrified which features the universal monsters which I also really love and that's the Ozark Haller but he's not the only creature or strange sighting that takes place in the Ozark Mountains Ooh. the next creature we're going to discuss is a lesser known cryptid called Momo the Missouri monster Momo hoo-hoo <laughs> yes there's a lot of devils so Momo is purported to look like an ape-like creature that resembles Bigfoot or Sasquatch and lives in the woods of the Oak Forest in the southeast state of Missouri. Oh, Momo. Alleged witnesses describe the creature as a large bipedal humanoid with a pumpkin-sized head, is seven to ten feet tall, and covered in dark hair that emits a putrid odor. All Momo needs is a bath. Yes, as Gary said, Momo needs a bath. <laughs> <laughs> The most well-known and alleged sighting occurred in, on July 11th, 1972, when two young boys were playing in the backyard on the rural outskirts, that's so many R's listeners, rural outskirts rural. of Louisiana, Missouri. So now there's a city named Louisiana and Missouri. Why? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's confusing. I know. Like, we don't have South Carolina, comma, North Carolina. Like, South Carolina is not a city in our state. At least I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I'm again. I am not good with geography or names. I am fairly good with geography, particularly North Carolina, and I don't know of this city. But anyway, in Louisiana, Missouri, um, their older sister Doris was in the kitchen when she heard her brother screaming. When she looked out of the window, she observed a massive, dark-haired, man-like creature holding what appeared to be a deceased dog. <gasps> Yeah. Momo, we're going to have a problem. She described it as having a pumpkin-shaped head, large glowing orange eyes. Many alleged sightings occurred that year, most notably 
was the local fire department chief and a member of the city council, Richard Allen Murray, who reported driving along a creek bed when he saw a massive upright creature in his vehicle's headlights. And as a result, a result of these reported encounters, a 20-person posse was formed to hunt the creature, but nothing was ever found. They were going out like they did in Shrek. Yes, a little bit. Reports stated that it was seen up and down the Mississippi River, with later sightings occurring further along on the waterways. Other reports, Others report having caught fleeting glimpses of something in the woods, while some said they smelled something beastly or heard haunting cries, growls that are similar to, bra to bears and inhuman screams. Bears sting too, though. They really do. And I, don't know, I know that from the podcast that we both listen to, when they always yeah. talk about like bear attacks and how the survivors always comment, particularly the bear's breaths, are horrible. I wonder if what she saw was a bear. Now, mm -hmm. I don't know about it holding a dog, a yeah. new dog, but bears can be really tall when they stand. It's true. Uh, but as a, re a result of this posse going out, an article came out called No Trace of Monster in Louisiana, Missouri Hunt. It was by Ed Wilkes, and it reads the following. <clears throat> Louisiana, Missouri, July 19th. 25 men trudged over woods, wooded hills today in what authorities have said was the first monster hunt of this Mississippi River town. But they found not even a trace of a rabbit or a squirrel, let alone the tall, shaggy beast that witnesses say. And I don't know, I guess I cut, I cut off part of it. It just stops right there. But then the next thing out to the side of it says, say a state representative form Bowling Green. That makes no sense. Yeah, I think it may have gotten cut off. Maybe. Um, and I apologize for that, listeners, but the search party composed of citizens and police officers. They assembled at City Hall at about 9 a.m. and set off for Star Hill, an area near here that is heavy in underbrush. The monster hunters were led by Louisiana Police Chief Shelby Ward, who has treated the matter like any other fugitive search. He is cool, but admittedly worried that hunters will go in search of an animal, which many believe to be a black bear, and shoot one of and shoot one another by mistake. Yeah, I can see that happening. We're, we're all convinced there is nothing up there now. And that's pretty much the end of the article. And that's from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, the, the July 19th, 1972 edition. I think that the fact that the sheriff is just like, we're afraid people are going to shoot each other by accident, mm -hmm. like that, yeah. 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 That, that's where the real fear is. Yeah. So while most research continued to bring up sightings of the 1970s, once again, the Legends of the Ozarks from the Travel Channel did share some more modern sightings, modern day sightings. In 1998, Steve Robinson heard a scream outside, and he ran outside with a flashlight, and he saw eyes eight feet off the ground. He first thought this was a raccoon. In a tree? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I guess it was so dark, all he saw was the eye, so I guess he assumed there's a raccoon looking down from him, I guess from a branch or something. Okay. He then realized that the shadow of the body was solid and not a raccoon. Since it was about eight foot tall, stood on two legs, and retreated back into the woods, Steve claims that it only took about six steps before the creature was gone. In another story, Edward Jer Jordan and a friend were fishing at about 3.30 a.m. So, Who goes fishing at 3.30 in the morning? I mean, I've heard of hunters staying out really late so they can catch things that, like, more, I guess, nocturnal creatures. And I guess they were hoping to catch some nocturnal fish. I don't, I don't know. Did they go to the fish club to try to catch everybody leaving? Maybe they went out there that late in hopes that there wouldn't be, like, a lot of noise around or other people. I don't That's weird. I, you can tell I am not a hunter or a fisher. Yes. Same but, here. I've went fishing in my life, but 
like standing on the edge of a river fishing. I say when I went fishing, I didn't touch a worm, didn't touch a fish. I just sit on the bank. This was when I was a child and ate my pudding and watched my dad fish. <laughs> we fished with corn. We didn't use worms. Did you catch stuff? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think I ever caught anything, but my father would catch a small, probably like a little trout fish or something, and we always threw it back. Like, we didn't fish to eat. Yeah, I like, I don't have uh, tons of good memories with my father as a child, but standing on the edge of the river while he was fishing and I just ate my pudding cup, <laughs> that was a good memory. Well, so they're out fishing at 3.30 a.m., which I also need to point out is the witching hour. I don't think this is time is a coincidence at all. But they hear a sound in the nearby tree. When they shined a light on it, they saw a creature hanging off the tree and over the river by one hand. The creature, upon being spotted, spotted blinked once and ran off. The two men guesstimate that the creature was 8 to 10 foot tall. And how far away was it from them? It does not give us that distance. I feel like if someone said, how tall is that person? And you could be standing right beside me. I still would get it wrong. <laughs> so I don't know if I could do it from far away. <laughs> well, Randy Harrington, a Momo hunter for 10 years, set up a Momo trap. To, yes. To try to lure Momo out. He went to the site where Momo had been spotted recently and set up a tent, a table of food, and duct tape blankets to the inside of his truck windows. And he put a microphone on top of his truck. <laughs> he would soon hear footsteps. And he would peek through the blankets and he saw an animal on two legs that apparently is really, that was going through the back of his truck and then it left. This terrified him so much that he remained in his truck for four more hours until sunrise. Why didn't he just drive <clears throat> off? Like pull the blankets down and drive off. I'm not sure. I mean, I know he had a lot of stuff set up because he actually had a tent set up outside and whatnot, but then it was going through his truck bed. I guess he didn't want to leave all the stuff. I would have came back. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. He could have. And, and a question. Mm -hmm. Is it just one Momo or is there more? We don't know. And is it Momos? <clears throat> Mimos? <laughs> the plural of Momo. Is it Momai? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't know. Or is it Momos? I don't know. On another trip, Randy and his hunting partner, DW, you know, like Arthur, not really, but <laughs> <laughs> traveled to a site in the Ozark Woods where they believed that the Momo monster had claimed its own territory through several sightings. They decided to use tree knocks, a communication method that they believed the Momo monster uses to communicate. How? I don't know how they figured this out. Yeah, it's like we use Morse code. They probably just knock on trees. <laughs> so Randy, while DW was using infrared cameras, swung a wooden bat at the tree. <laughs> they soon hear footsteps nearby, but they don't see anything. So they decide to play recordings of Randy's friend's grandson whooping. Oh. <laughs> and whooping is, the whooping noise is apparently, uh, will make Momo kind of react because it is said, and again, I don't know where this information comes from, but Momo seems to react more to women and children. And where they got the information, like I said, I don't know. Somebody just made it up. Maybe. And I don't know. And out there, if, imagine you're just walking through the woods. <laughs> and then you hear, like, something being beaten and somebody start whooping. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you're going to want to know what that is. So they're playing these whooping sounds and they hear another noise in the woods. Um, and it seems to be, like, it's kind of like a grunting type noise because there's something nearby. And a creature seems to be near them. It could have been a damn bear. So they decide to go after it. And after four hours, they did not find anything. 
They review camera footage, and they did spot a pair of glowing eyes far off in the distance from where the camera was set up. Randy considered the hunt a success, but the video was overall considered inconclusive. Yeah, I think he needs to redefine his version of success. <laughs> Can you imagine a newspaper article if they had been attacked by a bear out hunting for Momo? Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. Momo, unlike some other areas with similar reports of cryptids, did not become a major tourist or economic folklore attraction. I wonder why. However, in 2019, a docudrama horror film entitled Momo, the Missouri Monster was released, <laughs> and it features drama dramatizations of the events in 1972. Um, American theme park rides and Six Flags in St. Louis had a ride that operated from 1973 to 1994 named for the creature. Well, I'd probably ride that. But that's the story of Momo, at least the information that I found out during my research. Well, I, I don't like the fact that Momo hurt uh, a dog, allegedly. Yeah, well, I mean, is it he just had the deceased dog in his arms. We don't know if he found it and maybe... Maybe he found it and I was like, hey guys, is this your dog? Somebody mm -hmm. in it and, you know, just left it. And then they react terrified and the mom was like, okay, never again am I interacting with I people. I am not helping anybody else ever again. Exactly. They said I smelled bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for the final two things I'm going to talk about, we are moving more into the supernatural realm of things and we're going to start with some ghosts. Ooh. These, this is the story of the Wilson's Creek Civil War ghosts. Ooh, those yes. are like super creepy. Yeah, Civil War ghosts always kind of get me. Yeah, because you like die like such a horrible death mm -hmm. alone. Well, funny you talk about how horrible they died. It should be no surprise that the most horrific tale of the Ozarks comes not from creatures or any supernatural entity, but from people themselves. Yep. Like, it's us. Yep. We are the monsters. Wilson's Creek is the site of one of the bloodiest battles fought in the Ozarks. The Battle of Wilson's Creek was fought on August 10th, 1861, and it was a bitter struggle for control of Missouri in the Civil War's first year. In fact, it was the first major battle in the West and only the second major battle of the Civil War. Over 2,500 men died in the Civil War battle. Jeez. Many locals believe that several of these soldiers are now haunting this meadow. Reported activities such as noises that only can be described as guns, cannons, cold spot bearing, no earthly explanation, and at night the sounds of soldiers walking and talking in the nearby woods are heard. That would be so creepy. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, more Confederate soldiers are reported as being seen at this site than their opponents, the Union troops. One story tells of two sisters, Bev Birchler and Deb Forrester, who snuck out to the to the battlefield one night to see if they could find any ghosts. And they were interviewed on the Travel Channel documentary, and they talk about how, like, they weren't really expecting to see anything. They were kind of doing it more just for fun. Yeah, for funsies. Mm-hmm. So soon after they enter the battlefield, they see two more people walking up beside them. And when they turn to them, they see that it is two Confederate soldiers. They look at the soldiers, the soldiers look at them, study them, and then the soldiers... Walk, continue walking by the girls, and they fade away in the nearby tree line. Ooh! Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there is a home that sits atop the hill that overlooks the Wilson Creek battlefield that's called the Ray House. And this is said to be a paranormal hotspot. The day of the battle, the Confederates used the house as a hospital. And the battle was so bad, and as we all know, medical procedures back then were not what they are today. Oh, no. No, 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 no. So it is said out the back door were a pile of amputated limbs from the wounded soldiers who oh. were wounded in battle. 
Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Several soldiers died in this home. Yeah. Um, one of the most notable ones was actually a Union general by the name of Nathaniel J. Lyons, and he was killed and his body was taken to the Ray House. The bed well, where his body laid is still in this house to this day. They got a new mattress, right? It might be the same one. I don't know. Oh, no one lives in this house mattress. now. It is a purely historic site. Um, it's believed that the general still haunts the home along with several other... other good grief. Other. other several other I ghosts. can't talk. <laughs> it's, well, it's probably because you heard, have been hearing me talk to the cats in a baby voice. <laughs> It is believed that the general still haunts the home along with several other ghostly soldiers. People have seen wounded and dead or disembodied Union and Confederate soldiers lying on the ground yelling for help. God. Silent cavalry charges have also been reported as well. So knowing that it's a bloody battle that happened in that field, I immediately assume that even without hearing all these stories, that it's haunted. Yeah, yeah. There's That's a lot of energy there. Mm-hmm. And as we said before, there's just something about Civil War ghosts that I find creepy. Yeah, me too. And now for the final entity, I guess I'll call, I'll speak about, which I never heard of until I started doing this research, but it is the Hornet Spook Light. I just think, like, of a bee. <laughs> yeah, when I hear the word hornet, most definitely bee doesn't come to mind. And and they are kind of spooky. They are. They're mean. I got attacked by bees when I was a kid. Have I told you that? No. I got attacked by bees. My lip was like swollen. Mm-hmm. I remember, and I'm sure I could eat other things, but the only thing that I could remember eating was sunflower seeds because that's the only thing that I could actually like fit into my mouth. I was maybe <laughs> four or five at the time. Oh no. I yeah. got attacked by bees, but it wasn't really like a swarm because somehow they had built their nest inside the mailbox and I wanted to go check mail that day and- my mom and grandmother let me, so I went down the hill and opened up the mailbox, and there were bees. And I got stung a couple of times, I think just like two. Um, but I was really lucky. But inside the mailbox was mail, which means the mail delivery person was throwing mail in there with all those bees. Oh, I got stung by a lot more bees than that. My mom actually sent me to the hospital um, because my dad set the grill too close to a bee's nest and Ooh. irritated the bees. All I think of when I think of bee stings is my girl. Me too! <laughs> Macaulay Culkin's character dies about bee stings. I just, uh, it, that's always been in the back of my mind. I mean, we didn't get Macaulay Culkin, but we did get no, stung. No, exactly. Thankfully, that didn't happen. Yeah. But, so the Hornet Spook Light is not exactly ghostly, or maybe it is. Like, we don't know what it is. It might be out of this world. It might not be. And aliens is a topic that I have not touched on a lot, but I will. In the future, like, there will be alien stories coming. Um, so, on the border of Oklahoma and Missouri is a stretch of road known as East 50 Road, where an orb of light that changes colors and floats in the sky is known as the Hornet Spook Light. Oh, was not expecting that. No. <laughs> Native American folklore in- tells of encountering it over centuries ago, and they believed it to be an evil presence to be avoided at all costs. Paranormal experts believe the light is a ghostly presence trying to communicate while others believe that it may be a Native American spirit itself. Does it change color, like a strobe light or something? It can, sometimes. I think it would be cool to see that. Yeah, I don't think there's anything scary about it. Um, There's another theory that says the light is a spirit of a miner who carries a lantern, so the light is what what we are seeing is the lantern, in his hand, searching for his family. 
Others say the spook light is the ghost of uh, an Osaga Indian chief who was decapitated in the area and continues to search for his lost head while holding a lantern. Aww. And the spook light is often sometimes referred to as the Joplin spook light or the tri-state spook light. Um, it is actually in Oklahoma near the small town of Quapal. And however, it is most seen from the east, which is why it has been attached to the tiny town of Hornet, Missouri. And a larger, better known town of Joplin, which is nearby. Mm-hmm. According to the legend, the spook light was first seen by Indians along the infamous Trail of Tears in 1836. However, the first official report occurred in 1881 in a publication called The Ozark Spook Light. The ball of fire, described as varying sizes from a baseball to a basketball, dances and spins down the center of the road at high speed, rising and hovering above treetops before it retreats and disappears. Others have said it sways from side to side. In any event, the orange fire-like ball has reportedly been appearing nightly for well over 100 years. It sounds like a party. (laughs) Something's having a party out there. According to locals, the best time to view the spook light is between the hours of 10 p.m. and midnight, and it tends to shy away from large groups and loud sounds. It sounds like me. (laughs) Except for my prime time is like 6 to 8. I'm usually in bed by 10. Yes. In the 1960s, a corps of engineers came out to investigate, but nothing was found. And the best evidence we have is perhaps a photo from 1955, and it's one of the few clear images of it, but no one still knows what it is. And here is the photo. And that is the spook light. It, I don't know. I would not say that, like, to me, that looks like somebody has a flashlight at the end of the Mm -hmm. road. But again, it's kind of a blurry photo, and it's definitely older. Yeah. Well, and it's off in the distance, too, which is why, like, I think we could rule out a flashlight, because it wouldn't be seen from that far away. Okay, and I do have a question. Yeah. That's not related to something spooky. Okay. So these two women here in the photo. (laughs) Yes. Like, you know how... Everybody in the 50s and 60s that were like teenagers look like they were 80. Yes. I bet these girls were only like five and six. (laughs) (laughs) I took a drink of water as you said that, and I was trying really hard not to spit it out. (laughs) I thought you were going to be like 16 or 17, but these said five or six. (laughs) I don't know. And like all the pictures that I am showing her listeners, we will post on our Instagram. Locals now call this road spooky. It draws several paranormal investigators to the area. And many explanations have been presented over the years, including that it is nothing but escaping natural gas, reflecting car lights, and billboards. Um, Some people also say that it might be a will-o'-the-wisp, which I did not know until I looked up this information. A will-o'-the-wisps are luminescence created by rotting organic matter. That could be it. I feel like the, bill, the the billboard, the billboard would be easily um, ruled out. Rolled out. Yeah. yeah. Well, so all these explanations do fall short of being conclusive. As to the theory of escaping natural gas, which is common in marshy areas, the hornet light is seemingly not affected by the wind or rain. And explanations of headlights or billboards are easily discarded as the light was seen years before automobiles or billboards were made. Oh, okay. And even before a road existed in the area. One possible explanation that's not easily discounted is, uh, but not yet proven, are that the lights are electrical atmospheric charges, or the light. Um, in areas where rocks deep below the Earth's surface are shifting and grinding, an electrical charge can be created. This area, lying on a fault line, running east from New Madrid, Missouri, westward to Oklahoma, was the site of four earthquakes during the 18th century. These types of electrical fields are most commonly associated with earthquakes. 
And this was also featured in the Travel Channel documentary, um, a paranormal group called Clay County Paranormal. They did capture it on video, so we get to see it as they are doing their investigation. And it is an orb, and as I mentioned before, it does kind of change colors, kind of from like white to yellow to orange, per se. But it looks like when you get, looks like, so for me, like the way I describe this, and maybe this is something that only I understand, but sometimes, like when I close my eyes, because I have an astigmatism, I see this little ball of light when I close my eyes. And that's exactly what this looks like when I saw it on that video. I can't say that I've ever experienced that. <laughs> do you have an astigmatism? Mm -mm. See, I do. And astigmatism is like this little floating thing in your eye that you can never, ever see, but it's there. And I've just always, when I close my eyes, I see like a little ball that changes colors. And it does change colors from like red to blue to green, purple, yellow, pink, you name it. That sounds like a party when you close your eyes. <laughs> a little bit sometimes. Um, they showed another group that also captured it on camera, but it is an odd phenomenon. These groups like tried to chase it down a little bit. And, like half of them stayed in one place and the others hopped in a truck and they kept driving down the road until eventually the guys driving could not see it anymore. But the people from where they started still saw it. Oh, that's weird. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, it still happens to this day and we don't know what it is. Like no one can pinpoint conclusively that this is, you know... A ball of light from this. Now, this is something paranormal that I would definitely go investigate. Yes. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's a spirit, per se. Uh, yeah, I don't no. buy into that theory. A harmless ball of light? I'll go check it out. Yeah. Like, I know spirits can manifest as lights, but I just, I don't think this is what this is. No. Um, but do I know what it is? Absolutely not. <laughs> so, there you have it. These are four things that you could maybe find in the Ozark Mountains. Or maybe they'll find you. And my last question in my notes were, do you want to visit the Ozark Mountains anytime soon? <laughs> you know, I, those accounts, I mean, I probably don't want to see Momo. but no, like I would not want to smell Momo. No, but the Ozark Howler, if it looks like that little puppy with badly shot photo uh, deer horns, then yes, I want to see <laughs> the Ozark Howler. I, I probably should show you because my horrified game comes with a figurine of the Ozark Howler that looks nothing like that. Oh. Um, the figurine, for whatever reason, is green. It has horns. Its fur is drawn on. It's really shaggy. It honestly looks a bit more like a bipedal goat, but... <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I would think, like, with a name like the Ozark Howler, that it should be scarier. Mm-hmm. But that totally looked like a puppy, and I just want to pick it up and pet it. Yeah, I like, I... like I said, I mentioned when I talked about it before, those pictures are considered by many and most to be fake. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I'm not an <laughs> expert, so this is not an expert no. opinion. But they're definitely fake. Yeah, it's... I don't think those are conclusive evidence. No. And I'm not getting a membership to the International Order of the Who-Who. No. And well... Are still in... in uh, are they still... I think still it may be. You know, I probably should look that up, but I didn't. But I think they may be because it's still an order like the, Rot the International Rotary Club or whatever it is. Like, that still exists. So I would not be surprised if the International Order of the Who-Who is still operating. That should be a band name. <laughs> Well, I mean, we have the who, and so all we ne next need is the who-who. <laughs> I can hear the radio stations now, but like, coming up next is the number one hit from the who-who. <laughs> Beating out Taylor Swift this week. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, I thought it was very cool that the Ozark Mountains has all these kind of creatures and supernatural things yeah. happening, because I really do not know anything other than the... Um, Ozark Howler. Like, I, had I have heard of Momo before, um, but I 
did not think Momo was in the Ozarks. I haven't heard of Momo. I've only heard of Hoo-Hoo. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've only heard of Momo in passing because I frequently in my spare time sometimes watch things and look up things about cryptids. And Momo was a name I've come across before. But I also think Momo is very similar to Sasquatch or Bigfoot. Yeah. And maybe it's an offshoot of that. If there are these giant creatures that we have yet to discover. Maybe so. But thank you for listening, everyone. And thank you to those who have recently reached out. We received yes. an email that made us very happy. Um, yeah. Correct? Is there any yeah. more? <laughs> yeah. No, it's been, it's been nice. Like, I really enjoy hearing from people. Yes, me too. It makes me feel good. It makes my day. I know. And we've mentioned before, we have one review on Apple Podcasts. And we also have a really nice, I guess, one sentence review, maybe. Um, for those who listen on Spotify, Spotify has started attaching questions to podcasts. They do this automatically. And unfortunately, we can't even, like, answer back. Um, and usually, like, we can make questions if we want to. We have yet to really discuss this. But if we don't do anything, it's just going to throw up on there, like, what did you think of this episode? And some very nice person told us one of our last ones was one of our best ones yet. So we really appreciate that. Yes. And whoever you were, thank you. I thank tried you. to reply, but it would not let me. <laughs> no, but thank you. We very much appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yes. I don't Spotify much, but I might need to get an account just so I can check out what's going on oh, there. Spotify is the only thing that I use. <laughs> Well, we have a bunch of listeners, too, that we should also say thanks to who listen to us on Stitcher. Like, it's that's yeah. the platform that we are listening to on most. Yeah, so thank you very much. Yes, thank you to everyone, and that's this episode. Do you want to tell them where they can reach us? Yes, we are on Instagram at monstersandmurderpod. You can send us an email at monstersandmurderpod at gmail. Yes, we want to hear from you. Give us suggestions yes. on what you'd like to hear. Yes, please. We'll put them in, in the works. Yes, thank you. <laughs> All right, until next time. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.